Is It Transphobic? will be addressing issues of transphobia and transmisogyny. We may also address issues of racism, classism, ableism, and various other intersectional issues in this podcast. So this is a trigger warning. The panelists on Is It Transphobic? will also use strong language. So listener discretion is advised. Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening to Is It Transphobic? Um, As you can probably tell, I am not Ashley. Um, Ashley is away for most of the month of August, and she has asked me to take over as host for the Is It Transphobic podcast um, for the month of August. So hello, everybody. I'm Ariel. Um, I have been a guest on the podcast a few times, and I have two guests with me today, one of whom is physically with me and the other of whom is joining us via Skype. So I'm going to let you both introduce yourselves. Um, Hudson, do you want to start? Uh, well, I'm Hudson. Uh, I use they, them pronouns, and the L word is a thing. The L word so is bad. A, the L word is a thing. It's so dated. <laughs> um, okay, Bo, would you like to share? Um, hey, my name is Bo. I'm a farmer in central Maine, so I'm a very rural, rural queer uh, I use he, him pronouns, and I grew up on the L word. Yeah, so uh, Bo is joining us via Skype because he lives in Maine, and so just as a just as a heads up, that that's my why you might hear a little bit of a reduced quality with Bo, but hopefully you'll be able to at least make out what is being said. Um, and as you probably have figured out by now, on today's episode, we are going to be talking about the L word. All of the joys and pleasures and play, pains and horrors of the L word. Um, so something that we've discussed is that we're probably going to be dividing the L word into two episodes because there's so much content that it would be hard and very ambitious to try to break it down into one episode. So on today's episode, we have some we have some prompts and things that we want to be talking about. Um, But as always with this podcast, we are going to be discussing issues of transphobia, specifically how the L word perpetuates transphobia. Um, There will also be discussion of sexual assault because that comes up during one of the episodes. So just to warn everybody that that will be content that we will be discussing. Also, obviously, we're going to be talking about the L word no holds barred like there were six seasons of the l word and we are going to be probably talking about a lot of different aspects of it so there is a general content spoiler alert that if you have not watched all of the l word we're going to be going into the in-depth stuff that happens so you may want to avoid this episode if you have not seen the l if you have not seen the l word and if you are interested in watching it and not being spoiled um so i guess let's just let's just jump into it um, and so before we talk specifically about the episodes that we watched and that we're talking about, um, Bo actually had a really great idea for a prompt that I think it would be useful to start with, to hear about, from the three of us, to hear about our relationship to the L word. Because at least speaking for myself, the L word was a very formational, foundational part of my queer journey, my queer experience, and and I have like a pretty strong relationship both positively and negatively with the L word and I think it could be interesting and useful for us all to sort of reflect on our own process with the L word what it means to us currently what it has meant to us over the past few years 
So, um, was there anybody who would like to start by talking about that? I'll go. Cool. Thanks, Bo. <laughs> uh, it was a very formational show for me because um, I came out when I was about 13 as being queer, uh, and I never really identified as a girl, but I definitely identified as a dyke. And um, that was an identity that I claimed pretty early on. And the obvious educational thing that I had out there was the L word. I I wasn't seeing any representation of um, who I was attracted to or other people with like my kind of semi-concept of attraction and sexual orientation throughout high school and so a lot of my education unfortunately came from the L word and this was to the extent where my mom would ask me Bo what is lesbian sex and I would be like here have the first season of the L word (laughs) that joke happened Um, oh god so uh, it was it was very seminal in um, my understanding like lesbian culture um unfortunately a lot of really awful things came with that because there aren't any good relationship models seen in the l word um and there's very little room for like gender diversity in the l word it is very binary show so for me as um a trans person as a, and as a queer person it was kind of confusing to me so um my nickname throughout high school was shane uh which <laughs> <laughs> uh, which, is, which is interesting because I would I would say she's one of the more queer characters on that show, um, and uh, my girlfriend, my first girlfriend and I in high school, we would watch the show in parts on YouTube. So we were too ashamed to go and buy it, um, but we would uh, download ten parts at a time and watch like part one out of ten season four episode five and just like watch them consecutively um so yeah it's definitely a very like nostalgic show for me and then uh since high school I stopped watching it and then now I'm returning to it and I'm kind of disgusted by the way trans people are portrayed on it just because now my identity has shifted and grown over the last 10 years to be in a space where I really don't identify with anything seen in the L word. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So I, I have like one of those memories that's like, it's never going to go away. Like I remember the exact second I learned what the L word was. Because uh, I just come out as a, a bisexual <laughs> in eighth grade. And there was uh, this, this series on VH1 called like That's Gay or something. And it would like talk about gay stuff in the media. And it was the second one. And in the first one, they showed a bunch of women watching Queer as Folk, like a bunch of straight women to like normalize Queer as Folk. And in the second one, they showed a bunch of straight dudes watching the L word. And I was like, oh, what is this show? <laughs> and it was when the first season was still on. And I remember going onto my mom's computer and like torrenting the entire first season. And just, it was, it was special to me because I really related to Dana as this like awkward weirdo who couldn't get a girlfriend and was like in the closet. And yeah, for that first year, it was, like, really important, and then, like, I, I had a blog where I actually would, uh, <laughs> uh, recap the episodes in season three, 
Um, oh, that's great. <laughs> and uh, I stopped after Dana's death. Spoiler alert. Uh, yeah, and yeah, basically, I never really identified with anybody on the show because um, I never felt like I was a Shane androgynous. I was just more of like this like weird butch, and they didn't really like butches on that show. So, uh, yeah, that's a thing. That's a whole that's conversation which we should Serious table and butch. talk about. Is like the the like butch invisibility in that show but that's a whole other story um yeah, yeah that's that's me and the l word pretty much cool wait did you ever listen to the planet what's that the, the planet was the podcast and it was the first podcast i ever listened to so i'd watch an episode of the l word and then i would listen to this podcast called the planet and it was just basically a l word recap oh my I, god of I, course <laughs> I listened to Swimming with Manatees, which was an L Word recap podcast during season four, and it was really funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I also was on the, the social network they had. Oh, the chart? I was on the chart, yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> so bad. So bad. Yeah, the L Word the L Word has been a very foundational staple for I think queer people of like this quote unquote millennial generation both in good ways and in bad ways um, and so I think it's like important to be talking about um, so for me I so the, the L word was like the very first example of queer media that I had I mean if, if you can even really call it queer, whatever that means, but it was definitely the first introduction to any kind of, like, non-cishet media that I experienced. And my story with it mirrors Bose in some way, because I initially started watching it with my girlfriend at the time, Um, or, well, I guess recently ex-girlfriend. I came out the first time and I've had like many coming outs in my life. I think I'm still coming out. I think we all are. But anyway, the first experience I had with coming out was after my first year of college. So I was 19 and I was home for that summer. It was the summer between those two years. Um, And my complicated ex-girlfriend and I, who we had broken up, but we were still having this like bad and toxic relationship um anyway we would go down to the local blockbuster so there's a throwback um (laughs) and rent episodes of the l word and watch them at home um and we started like halfway through season one and so that was also this this like eye-opening experience for me and like i just remember being 19 years old and just being so in awe of like how out these women were and like how exciting that was like oh my god look at them just like living their lives and being so open about it and just like it's just like all of these gay people and they're happy and they're living their lives and I just that was a radical and revolutionary idea for me um and then I think also what was so resonant because soon after watching the L word I started watching Queer as Folk but the L word always resonated with me a lot more strongly than Queer as Folk um and I think at the time I wouldn't have been able to articulate it and now it's not that hard for me to understand why but like I definitely identified with the femme aspect of that show because one of the things that the show did is definitely sort of celebrated femme identity and celebrated femme culture perhaps to the detriment of those who don't identify as femme so that's like another thing to talk about but 
seeing all of these like queer femme women who were like strong and happy and proud and had friends, um, I think really deeply resonated with me, even though I didn't know at the time exactly why. Um, but now like, I think part of why queerest folk didn't resonate with me is because it was like a bunch of cis gay men, which at the time is the label that I used for myself, but that isn't actually an accurate representation of who I am or who I was. So like, there was something that didn't jar with me about that. Whereas the L word, there was something, I mean, I also don't identify as a cis lesbian, but there was something that resonated with it slightly more strongly than with, um, with Queer as Folk or with other shows. But then, yeah, I think like as, as I've grown and developed and my mind has like grown and developed in certain ways, when I rewatch episodes of the L word, I just cringe a lot. And I'm (laughs) like, this is, I mean, there's like, there's like the problematic, like the politically problematic aspects of it. And then there's also just like bad acting, bad writing, like bad character choices, which like those are kind of two separate issues. But there are moments where it's like each season, like I feel like each season is like a completely different show. Each season has a completely different feel. The characters change so much. Like things that were introduced in season one just kind of get forgotten about by season two. And like, so that that's one thing. But then also like in terms of content wise politically there's like a lot of bad things going on um it's interesting though because although us as queer and trans adults now can look at it and cringe and recognize these really unfortunate like toxic relationships and poor acting about it now there is something that's powerful in it that all of us had this relationship to it that was super exploratory yeah and right i don't know i i don't know if it's all bad that um you know it was good for us at one time there was power in seeing other people that were not all straight yeah and, and just that you know in two early 2000s that was revolutionary right right so that it was kind of of its time and there was strength and power in it and us today we can watch it and criticize it but I do think that we do need to acknowledge that at one point it was really important for each of us Mm -hmm. yeah that's super important and I think that's a theme that comes up a lot on this podcast is that like it is possible to both be critical of media and celebrate the things about it that are positive. And I think it's it's okay to hold space for both of those things to exist. And you're exactly right, Bo, that like seeing that for us was radical and revolutionary at the time. And I just remember like both of you talked about some characters that like certain parts of you may have identified with. And like as much as most people hate her, there was a part of me that saw myself in Jenny and I think being that that feeling of being because in season one of the L word Jenny is like just coming out and like has a boyfriend but then she falls in love with this woman Marina and it's like this whole thing and I just remember feeling that like intense like super intense attraction that she has for Marina and all of those scenes I just like god it was just so real because I just remember the first like person who wasn't a cis woman that I had those kinds of feelings for and like it was like I was blown away I was just like it was you know like this kind of like so intense like visceral like sexual thing that I don't think I've ever experienced really since then because it was the newness of it was also what was just so thrilling about it so seeing that like 
Marina Jenny relationship reflected was also really powerful. And yeah, just seeing people out and about living their lives, talking so openly about about being, you know, queer was huge and was important and was impactful. So, yeah. And there are also some negative things that I, like negative things I saw back then that like Jenny was so frustrating to me and I think many people strongly dislike Jenny. But now when I'm watching, I'm rewatching, I think I'm in like season four, she kind of tells it like how it is. Like she calls out some serious bullshit about, you know, relationship expectations and like heteronormativity and misogyny in ways that I'm like oh wait Jenny what you said that okay yeah because we could do a whole podcast on Jenny um (laughs) which you know this is not Jenny's not a trans character so we probably shouldn't focus on her too much but um the whole like Jenny's history of trauma and the way that that was handled when I watched it the first time I was both, like, confused. I was like, I just didn't get it. I was like, what's going on? What are all these, like, carnival images? Like, I don't understand. But now rewatching it, I'm like, oh, this is a really complicated and interesting way to handle it. Any other thoughts about the L word as a cultural phenomenon? I mean, I think it's also worth noting, and I want to talk about this a little bit later, but they are remaking it, or they're rebooting it, rather. Eileen Chaikin and Showtime are, are doing more seasons of the l word why why so that's a that's like a why why is the real question that's like a conversation i want to have a little bit later about that but um so it's relevant to be talking about it now um okay so i guess it's time we can move into talking about the specific episodes and character arcs that we watched so as i said we're probably going to be splitting this into two different episodes there are two different sections of the podcast um and the first episode we're only really going to be dealing with season one because for those of you who know the l word in season three the character of max gets introduced and max is like a whole i don't think it's doing justice enough to that character and that arc to talk about max in anything other than like his own full episode. So just know that like we're not going to be explicitly talking about Max now because we're saving room to talk about Max later. So we will talk about Max. That will be a thing. But first, we're just going to focus on season one. And in particular, the two main character arcs that we are going to be talking about are Lisa and Ivan. So for those of you who don't know, would any of you like to explain, like, just like a bare bones, like, who is Lisa? Lisa is Shane's friend, mm-hmm. who is a cisgender man who identifies as a lesbian. And yeah. in the show. <laughs> yeah, and uh, the, the way that the character of Lisa describes themselves is, quote-unquote, oh, a lesbian man. Do we know for sure that they identify as cisgender? Because when I was watching it, they didn't say anything. They they said, I, it just was never clear to me that they identify as a cisgendered man. Yeah, I think that that's unclear to me too. Yeah. Um, the way that that character... It, it, felt like, it, it felt like something that was projected onto Lisa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as, so as this is... Man. I think this is the root of the conversation. So, so Lisa is a person 
who self-identifies or like people identify Lisa as quote a lesbian man and I think Lisa actually does self-identify as that at one point when the, when we first meet Lisa um, they say like I'm a lesbian man or I'm a lesbian identified man so that is how they identify but what that actually means is like up for all kinds of debate and in terms of how the show portrays this character so Lisa is Shane's friend. Lisa dates Alice, who's another one of the main characters of the show. They date for like two or three episodes and then they break up. Um, and yeah, so I guess I guess the first question is like, what do we make of that identity that Lisa, that is projected onto Lisa as being a quote, lesbian man? Do we think that this character was intended to be a cis man who adopts the term of lesbian but identifies as a man or do we think that this character was meant to be a trans woman who everybody is reading as a man but who actually identifies as a woman so i have some background on this just because i used to read the interviews like religiously like on after ellen so i read an interview they did with one of the writers or it might have been um eileen shaken herself and they said the inspiration for lisa was an actual cis man that they knew in LA who was identified as a lesbian as a sort of weird new age thing but still identified as a man and as a cis man and I've heard of this too I have a friend whose brother identifies as a cis male lesbian (laughs) what does that mean? I don't know so that was the inspiration for the character that's interesting because I when I watched it more recently, like for this episode, I was viewing that character as a trans woman who everybody was kind of misgendering all the time. Yeah, I, I, it's hard because it's, um, you know, it's fictional. So this person is self-identifying so far in as the writers gave them a self-identification. Right. If that makes if they never said thoroughly how they identified we can only project onto it which is ultimately what all of the surrounding characters on the show did to them um so it's i don't want to yuck someone's yum or uh disrespect someone's identity if they identify as a lesbian man um for me it was interesting watching it because i was like oh yeah a lot of the things that they're saying i can identify with as a trans person but at the same time if that's not how lisa was written then um you know that's not who Lisa is. I, I don't know the the most the the hardest thing for me to watch in Lisa's storyline. Well, I guess there was two things. One, which is um, Lisa was seemingly written as a trope and as a joke, and yeah. um, I think the L word uh, repeatedly introduces these theoretically radical characters, but. But unfortunately, the way that everyone around that character responds to them being on screen creates this joke about that character, which makes it ultimately really transphobic. Um, And that level of disrespect of that character was elevated to a point where there was some obvious sexual assault that happened Mm -hmm. um, with Lisa. Yeah, majorly fucked up. That scene... there's yeah there's a scene that Bo's describing where Alice really is, just like does sexually assault Lisa in this horrible way where yeah it's not good it's uh and and you're right that like that's the that's like the climax of this whole world in which all of the other characters are like 
really fucked up and problematic to Lisa. Um, you know, just to name a few instances, there's that moment when they're all like getting, they're all like together at Tina's house and Lisa's there and Lisa like goes to the bathroom and they're all like, they're all, they're all like asking Alice all the questions that trans people hate getting asked. Like, okay, so let's go. Is the lesbo man dating the fake bisexual? Oh, I am a bisexual. Okay, I'm confused. Oh, well, Lisa over here is a lesbian identified man. So what is that, like a transsexual? I wonder how he pees. Sitting down? I don't know. You think, Shane? I never pee with him. I just want to know, are you into him as a lesbian or man? Maybe you should call yourself a trisexual. And there's a part of me that's like, there's a world in which that could be done critically, where it's like, look at these fucked up questions that they're that are being asked, but I just don't think that's the lens that we're supposed to view it through. I think that the lens that the creators of the show created is such that, like, we empathize with these characters and we don't empathize. And then, like, you know, when Alice breaks up with Lisa, because even after the sexual assault scene, they continue dating for, like, an episode or two, and then eventually they break up, and Alice, well, first of all, while dating Lisa, Alice dates a cis man, And, like, one of the premises of Alice pursuing this man is she's like, so you're, like, a man, right? You're just, like, a straight man. You have no weirdness about gender. And then at one point she goes, you're not hiding a vagina in there, are you? Ha, 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 ha. Good. You're a man. You're a man. I want a man. I want to date a man. And, like, it's supposed to be, like, look at Alice being cute and funny. And it's, like, so fucked up. Andrew, you're straight or? Uh, Yes completely no shades of gray or anything uh, none. fascinating so you have no sexual ambiguity no variation on your orientation or... is she flirting with him you're not having a vagina in there <laughs> one testicle yeah and then she breaks up with with lisa and the phrase that she actually uses is I either want a lesbian who's a woman or a straight man. I don't, like, you're too, like, this, like, whatever gray area. You know what, Lisa? When I first started seeing you, I wanted something simple and easy. And instead, I end up with the most complicated interpretation of sexual identity I've ever encountered. You know, I mean, you do lesbian better than any lesbian I know, okay? And I don't want a lesbian boyfriend. I'm sorry. I want a boyfriend who's straight or I want a lesbian who's a girl. And it's just so fucked up. Like, she's so fucked up about it. Kit is, Kit, like, is super transphobic about it. It's just not good. Um, You know, and again, it's like 2004. These people may have been like, look at how progressive we are. We're, like, including this character who's, like, a lesbian man. Isn't that, like, so cool? No, they do that. And then they go around the corner and make fun of that person. I don't know. I think it, I mean... Yeah, so content warning about the sexual assault we're referring to is um, the scene happens that Lisa has communicated how they want to have sex with Alice, and Alice continually denies that way of engaging and forces them in a way to engage in a way that they're not comfortable with. And um, I think what what the L word repeatedly does is they bring these radical characters on supposedly to maybe show a different representation of someone 
and then all of the characters that we have grown to know throughout watching the season, they just obliterate that person's identity, right. whether through making fun of it or just completely denying their existence and um, leading so far as a really unconsensual sexual encounter. Yeah. Right, and I think that there are a lot of examples where that happens, where the character the character themselves could actually be really interesting and create some good dialogue, but the way that everybody around them responds to that character, exactly as you're saying, Bo, is like fucked up and bad. Um, yeah. Oh, well, the other thing I think that's relevant to talk about with Lisa is like, gender identity aside, other ways in which Lisa's character is made into a joke is that they, that character has a lot of like super stereotypical quote unquote like lesbian things about them, which is supposed to be funny. Like there's this scene where Lisa makes a smoothie for Alice and it's like, this smoothie is like, has spirulina and that's gonna help with your psyche and the balance of your pH, like, you know, and then there's this whole thing about like, I'm gonna read and realign your chakras or like, you know, like there's all this like very kind of spiritual oh, hippie dippy reiki things that, that, uh, Again, it's just, it's mocking. It's a mo mocking an identity. It's mocking cultural identity. And it's like playing into like, look at this quote unquote man who quote unquote thinks he's a woman and like therefore has all these like stereotypical things about women. It's just like another layer of, of fucked up is how, is like the actual character of Lisa and some of the, th the characterizations that Lisa has. Yeah. Um, Straight up misogyny. Yeah, much. yeah, right. So, okay, I guess it's time. So the other characterization that, that we were going to talk about today is the character of Ivan. So, oh, oh Ivan. Him. I love Ivan. Here's another example of a character who, like, the actual character of Ivan is actually really lovely. But the way that all of the characters treat him is garbage. Oh, so... Fucking bet. I know. I was, I was like, really bet Porter. But anyway, so let's let's back up a little. Let's talk about who Ivan is and, and Ivan's relationship to the show. Um, we first meet Ivan. So the planet, which is the coffee shop that all of the main characters, you know, hang out in that is also doubles as, like, a nightclub, weirdly. Um, the planet, they're, they're putting on, like, a drag king show. And Ivan puts the show together, hosts the show, and also performs in the show. So the first time we see him, he's performing as a drag king on stage. And then he, like, meets Kit and is, like, sort of very smitten with her. And then later, we go into the planet again, and, like, Ivan is there, but Kit doesn't recognize him. And then is like, oh, my God, you're Ivan. And so then the two of them have this, like, complicated and, and strange, yet somehow really sweet relationship where Ivan, like very much kind of in a traditional sense, like, courts Kit, and it's very, like, sweet and romantic, but Kit feels, like, conflicted because Ivan is, like, quote-unquote, not a man, and, like, it's all of this, like, kind of bad stuff. Um, so Ivan is, from my understanding of the show, Ivan is a trans man, trans-masculine person, um, who also performs as a drag king that Kit develops feelings for, but also... Kit is too roded in her like transphobia and and cis normativity to she she like lets that sort of get in the way of actually falling in love with Ivan because she says to him multiple times like 
you're great and you're perfect and I really like you, but you're not a man. Like, she doesn't see him as a man and that is a hang-up enough of her for her to not want to date him. Um, yeah. I, I don't necessarily see Ivan as a trans man. I okay. see him as, like, the first gender queer character on the okay, L word. that's fair. Um, especially when he says he doesn't really have a preference for pronouns and kind of he kind of is like jumps between like this butch presenting woman and a drag king and seems to be really comfortable whenever he's in either of uh those sort of presentations that's fair that's fair yeah totally i see yeah i i would agree with hudson that i see them more as a genderqueer character um there's not, you know, Ivan makes it clear that they don't really care about how people refer to them with pronouns. Um, I do, I don't know, I loved Ivan when I was growing up, and I still do, looking back on him as a character, I really love how um, he represents, he gives this little window into drag being used as an exploration space for trans identity yeah uh, totally and that like there's that scene where they're in the parking garage and mm-hmm. you know they turn on a song on their radio and they go into this performance for kit and i just i really love that there's this representation of someone in this um, mostly sweet relationship, because really, what the, the where most of the transphobia is coming from is external um, characters. Though Kit does yeah. perpetuate a lot of this "I need a real man" bullshit, um, but I I just love how Ivan is so comfortable exploring performance and identity, and how that relates to um, to his being um every day i just to track through it a little bit to give some context yeah first of all that scene that you're describing in the parking garage so they've just come home from like bet's art gallery opening or whatever and and ivan like turns on their car and like does this really beautiful performance to a leonard cohen song and like sort of lip syncs it and dances with Kit and it's just like so gorgeous and I just every time I watch that scene and I've watched that scene many times I just like melt into a puddle and I'm like what's wrong with you Kit this is like the perfect human like if somebody ever did that for me I would just I can't like okay so like anybody who's listening to this podcast if you want to know how to woo Ariel Mahler like that is a way to do it um but anyway I just like love that scene and it's so sweet and it's so lovely and I love Ivan um I have, it wasn't in one of the episodes that we watched, but when I was growing up, um, I loved this character, and before I knew words for trans or genderqueer, I really connected with him, and it always, the one of the scenes that, like, breaks my heart in watching his storyline is when um, Kit walks in on him in his bedroom. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and mm. it's just, like, such a, I don't know, I feel like, the L word has these characters and they try and go a little too deep for what I feel like the L word has the capacity for. And that, that could have been a really, um, informed scene. And it just came off in this way that I just, it it frustrates me looking. I think it's the first episode of season two. The way that the relationship like really fully comes to an end is that, 
Ivan has given Kit a pair of keys to their apartment. And so at one point, Kit like go like walks in with the keys to the apartment and Ivan is just getting out of the shower and is like naked and Kit sees them in this sort of vulnerable space and Ivan can't handle that and like pushes Kit out of the door and then like that's sort of the end of their relationship. And again, I fully agree with what you're saying, Bo, where it's like that scene could have been handled in a really complicated and good way, but instead I feel like the creators of the L word uh villainized Ivan after that. Like, I think that the story that they were trying to tell is, like, look at Ivan overreacting to this moment. Isn't this person, like, kind of weird and bad? When in reality, like, they could have handled that scene with so much more nuance and depth and complexity. Yeah, I also think that there's, um, there's this level of facade that the creators of the show project on to I feel like a lot of the trans characters like yeah. they have that scene with Ivan but not to jump too much into Max but they have a lot of scenes where Max is um, naked and looking in the mirror yes mm-hmm. fuck and, that yeah uh, this this idea that these these characters are fake and they're pretending to be something they're not and that is so fucked up. Like, yeah. So transphobic. Like it's integrated into the script and it's integrated into the way the show is filmed. And that is so damaging. Right. No, totally. Totally. When you say about like Ivan being like really like wooey and sexy with how he treats Kid, I'm like, this is creepy as fuck. Really? <laughs> this is like our sun signs coming out. Like I'm a Capricorn, so I'm just like, Fuck no, that person's clingy as shit. <laughs> yeah, that's real. I, I, I mean, I respect that. I think I just I like it, but that's fair. Not every not that's not everybody's wooing style, and that's fine and yeah. great. I don't it's think that. I don't think that anything Ivan does is like abusive or bad necessarily. No, it's just maybe a style difference, right? And yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like a little like chivalrous. Chivalrous, right? And a little controlling, you said, Hudson? Yeah, I don't know. Like, ordering for Kit and shit like that. Oh, that's true. That's true. He does, like, order food, and he's like, I thought you wanted this, so I got you this. And it's, like, sweet, maybe, but also kind of weird and bad. (laughs) And, yeah, there's also maybe some, like, misogyny inherent in that of, like, like, I'm going to take care of my lady. Oh, and then he has that line to bet where he's like, oh, you might want to get home to your little lady. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, he is a little misogynistic. That's fair. That's Um, fair. I have a thought on misogyny in these trans characters, too. If we think about these characters that are under the trans umbrella throughout the entire run of the L word, many of them have these um, these cycles of misogyny that I feel like are built into their characters, either um, very obviously or just underlying. Um, and I'm, it's another one of those things that I'm as... I guess a more informed adult than I was when I was a teenager first watching it. I'm glad that there is some representation of that because I feel like within the trans community, I had to be very intentional about rejecting the trans misogyny that is so rampant in our community, um, especially as like a more trans masculine person. So I feel like they do represent that somewhat, but also like they have no context for it. They have no, it, it, it makes this mask of all trans people are like this. Yeah, no, I agree with that. 
But yeah, like it seems as though the writer's only experience with trans men was either misogyny or non-existence, uh, existence yes. at all, uh, and just projecting their own issues with men in general onto the trans masculine characters. And I also want to say that I think this is still this is this is also jumping the gun with talking about Max when we said we weren't going to, <laughs> but I think that related to what you both are talking about. This The L Word markets itself as a show about women, and then Max is one of the main characters on the show. Why can't we have a trans woman? Mm-hmm. as the, Like, if you're going to have a trans character on a show about women, let's have it be a trans woman and talk about that, rather than be like, this is a show about women, and here's Max, who's also a woman. Like, it just is so fucked up. It, like, just totally perpetuates, yeah. because, like, we first meet Max at, you know, ident- like, prior to coming out and prior to using the name Max and prior to using he, him pronouns. And like, I think we're supposed to view Max as like really a woman, but like is now a man. And it's just so fucked up. And I'm like, can't like, can't we have, if we're going to have trans representation, either don't call yourself a show about women or have a trans feminine person on there. It's just, yeah. 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 I don't know. Can I push back a little bit on that? Yeah, you can. No, I I totally agree that there should be trans feminine representation on the show, especially where it advertises itself as um, a show about women. Um, I think what I want to push back on is the fact that I do think Max has a place on the show because, um, I don't know, uh, this... When I was growing up, there was this entire fear of losing all the butches. Like, that was a thing that was part of the lesbian community, mm-hmm. was that um, we were losing all the good butches because they were becoming men. And that was a very transphobic, rampant belief system within the dyke community. Sure. And I think had been long before I came out. Um, so I feel like it was important that they explored the idea a little bit more. I think that it was important that there was um, this trans character on there. I think there are awful things about Max. I also think there are some very few redeeming factors about the Max storyline. Um, sure. So I do think that there was a place for it on that show, especially given the relationship between, um, you know, butch butch women and trans men and that that line in there um for example when i was growing up there were multiple older lesbian mentors that i had in my life that referred to me as a he she and for for me and for our generation that was that felt really insulting but for them a he she in their context was a positive thing um and that wasn't something that was you know, it was just different different language. Sure. That's valid and important, and I'm glad that you brought that up because I do think that that conversation doesn't happen enough. And it also relates to the way that Kit responds to Max, which, again, we'll talk about. But Kit, mm-hmm. Kit says something that is very much along the lines of what you're describing, Bo, where Kit essentially says to Max, like, why why do you have to give up being a woman like you can be powerful as a woman and why like it's like it's like really fucked up but i'm glad that the show included it because that's a real thing that like i think a lot of trans masculine folks face based on other stories that i've heard so so that's real and that's valid and that's important um yeah 
other things about Ivan just you know similar to Lisa in that like the way people around him react to him and I'm using male pronouns only because uh, just using what kind of Kit went off of yeah and it doesn't seem like he had a preferred pronoun right um yeah just seeing like how like it was just completely unaccepted for Kit to see Ivan as anything but a lesbian like with like with Bet just becoming extremely judgmental, like, my sister can't also be gay, basically. My sister can't be attracted to this person because this person is assigned female at birth. And, like, and, like, really just bringing it home. Like, she. Oh, my God. She. Bet, like, her. Bet, like, intentionally misgendering. Kit, Kit is like, oh, he, whatever. And then, and then Bet is like, no, she is falling in love with you. And she is, it's like so bad. <laughs> She's madly in love with you, you know. No, he's not. We're friends. He helps me out with stuff. That's because she is in love with you. And she wants to be your husband. No, it's not like that. Kit, believe me, you might not be able to read the signals, but they're there. I saw the way she looks at you. She is fully courting you, old school, and you're letting Oh, is that so? Yeah, it is. Oh, well, thank you for the lessons of the ritual mating habits of indigenous lesbians. Maybe next week we'll do butch and femme role-playing. Uh, ladies. I have a, I just have a note that says, Bet sucks. Bet sucks in all the ways. I mean, I really yeah. think Bet's terrible, but I also kind of think Tina is terrible, and I think most of the characters are terrible. Dana is an angel, and that's because Dana dies. Dana's good, <laughs> and I, I like Alice most of the time. I mean, most of the... they're all problematic LA lesbians. Like, yeah, I yeah. feel like they these characters exist today, and like say the same exact shit that's like it's and like you see this shit like even in like even in new york in like this progressive queer scene like you have fucking women who don't see trans men as men and don't see trans women as women and will say shit like what bet and kit in season three like shit they say (coughs) right um, nowadays so it's like not even like it's dated which is kind of sad sad but true yeah yeah Yeah, something that um really resounded with me when I was re when I'm rewatching it now is and I think about this a lot especially being a, a very rural queer now is the very distinct difference between a gay scene and a queer scene and I don't know if that's something that you guys that you experience in New York but just this um you know that that the L word was very binary lesbian and mm-hmm. um, it served its purpose in my own life, but when I kind of evolved into a more queer identity, the lines became significantly more blurry, and that's where that show just doesn't hold up. Yeah, I think that's real, and I think it's a very, it is a very binary, it's like a very like second wave feminism woman's show like it's also super white we can talk about that Mm -hmm. like there are characters of color but they're super uh stereotypical and like like if you look at both poppy and carmen like those characters the the way that those characters are written is like very very stereotypical and thin and they're not played by latina actresses right so there's that (laughs) neither of them are played by latinx actors or actresses um and you know they're like most of the characters of the show are white i mean bet you know bet herself is not white she's mixed race biracial 
and they bring that up actually in a really interesting way in a lot of cases. So there, there are some ways in which they do talk about race, but for the most part, it's a pretty like white centric show. It's a very binary show. Um, it's a very like cis normative show where like going back to your point, Bo, like characters that would otherwise be non cis normative or non binary uh, in any kind of way are ridiculed and made into like random weird joke characters that nobody really understands. Yeah, anything else of Ivan? Anything else of Lisa? I will like, I feel like I didn't appreciate Ivan's sense of style back in 2004. <laughs> I thought they were just like looking like a cheesy Butch Dyke, but now as a 27 year old, I am like digging <laughs> Ivan's style. So just a health and safety note for all the trans people out there that are binding or are interested in exploring binding. There's multiple occasions in the L word where these queer characters and possibly trans identified characters are seen binding with ace bandages. Please don't do it. (laughs) I, I cringe every time I see... So Ivan is seen in that scene where Kit walks in on him in his bedroom. He's binding with ace bandages. There's also a scene with Max binding with ace bandages. Um, it cuts off your circulation, and uh, there are binders that are out there that are made uh, intentionally for trans people, and there's binder recycling programs if there's financial obstacles for getting a safe binder so please just don't bind with ace bandages awesome great i'm glad that you brought that up word to the wise no binding with ace bandages please yeah there's so many so many bad representations of binding in the media and it's just it's just really unhealthy for our community to see that totally it's literally all ace bandages and Ace bandages constrict when you move, and so you're going to choke, basically. You're going to suffocate. Well, okay, the last question that I wanted to ask um, to wrap up is, as I think we have talked about, as we all know, they are making, they are remaking the L word, uh, they're redoing it, and what I don't know is if it's going to be like remaking it from the beginning, or if it's going to be a continuation of where we left off, um, where... You know, spoiler alert, but Jenny has been killed and like Bet and Tina like have moved, I think, to New York. And I'm like wondering what that's going to be. But my question and this can be a shortish answer if you want it to be. But I'm just curious to hear what both of you hope and or fear about this reincarnation of the L word. I'm not going to watch it. I'm not going to I'm going to pretend it doesn't exist. It's like Orange is the New Black season five. I don't. I don't acknowledge it. I, if I see it on Netflix, I'm going to skip over it. Like, I don't expect Eileen Shaken to do anything good with the L word. I Like, it is very dated. It's, like, if they're not going to be hiring diverse writers for the show, what's the point if it's just going to be the same cisgender, lesbian point of view about everything, pretty much? Yeah, okay, real. Taking the hard line. That's good. So Hudson will not be watching it. Oh gosh, Hudson, you're so strong in your willpower. I am <laughs> totally going to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> it, 
It's like the remake of Gilmore Girls and how they all looked like they were CGI. Like, of course I'm going to watch it and I'm going to suffer through every single moment of it. But um, I I don't know. From what I've heard, uh, it's not solely going to be written by Eileen Chaikin. Um, I think it's co-written, it sounds like, by Kate... Uh, Kate Monig and Leisha Haley, so Shane and Alice, and I think someone else are being brought into it, and that they are introducing a new set of characters that these old L word staples will be kind of like the the gatekeepers and and beckoning a new age of L word characters. I don't know how long that will last. Um, I think if they don't do if they don't make the changes that bring it to 2017 they will be really limiting their audience um because i think it's safe to say that times have changed from 2004 um you know in 2004 gay marriage was legalized in massachusetts and that seemed like uh that was never gonna happen yeah. and not that i mean obviously i don't i don't know that's it's Things seem different now. Things seem wider and things seem more blurry and sometimes inclusive, and yet things seem very scary right now. So I, I don't know how they are going to modernize it. I think that they will have to if it is going to succeed at all. Yeah, that's real. I, I also will probably watch it. I will probably suffer my way through it. Um, and I, I agree that it that it has to be. It will not succeed if it's not updated um more trans representation more non-white more more and better non-white representation um and maybe just like some better writing and some better acting would be nice too uh but i'm i'm definitely gonna gonna watch it oh god do you remember when they were gonna make a spinoff with leisha haley yeah they were gonna make a spinoff where leisha haley was in jail having been accused of jenny's murder and that didn't happen. What? This called The Farm. Yeah. Well, what I also think is interesting about this reboot um, is that when season one was happening, or when the first, when like the first era of it was, the first six seasons, during most of that time, Bush was president. And they talked about that a lot. And they like talked yes, about living, living in that political regime a lot. And now, in the reboot, it's going to be during Trump's presidency. So, like, it's interesting that both of these L-word, you know, incarnations have happened in these, like, kind of horrifying, scary, conservative, political climates. Uh, And so seeing how they respond to that will be interesting. The last, the way that Ashley always ends the podcast is just by blatantly asking is it transphobic? And then allowing people to respond. So, Bo Hudson, is the L word transphobic? Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> yes, I agree. I think it is, it is, for all the good that it maybe is trying to do, it actually is doing a lot more harm than good. So, yeah. I have, I wonder though, if it's transphobic or educational for people that don't know anything about the trans community that's that's real that's i mean that's a good question is like does it do it does it actually do more harm than good like if yeah, someone it like does more harm than good because we're trans exactly but does it do more harm than good to cis people who don't have any understanding of the trans community yeah 
Is it educational? That's a question. You know, maybe. I don't. I don't know. Uh, I don't think so because it's it's entertainment, but it's, right. I don't think it's educational entertainment. I, I from someone that tried to get an education from the L word. Oh man, that was a bad lesson in sex education. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of unconsensual sex that happens in the L word, and it's not treated as unconsensual sex. Um, yeah, and all the relationship models seem to me toxic. So, right, 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 right. It normalizes toxicity. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, Bet and Tina! Like, just the dysfunction in that relationship is horrifying. Um, yeah. And like idolizing Bet and Tina's relationship. Like, oh my God, seriously, yeah. all the characters do that. And like, and like, I had friends who were obsessed with their relationship. Ugh. And it's like, <clears throat> yeah. No. It's not healthy. Yeah, it's not. And well, that's what happens is like it. We see these representations on the media of these like super toxic yet passionate relationships, and we think that that is positive. Right. Yeah. Right. All right, folks. I I think that's our episode for today. Unless anybody has any other closing thoughts or anything that they want to say. It was transphobic. Yep. It is transphobic. And it will continue to be transphobic. <laughs> and it will be transphobic. <laughs> um, so thanks everyone for listening. Um, make, make sure to tune in in two weeks for the next episode of Is It Transphobic? Um, and so until then, bye. 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 Is It Transphobic was produced, edited, and coordinated by Ashley Lauren Rogers. The Is It Transphobic logo was created by Phoenix Sweeney, and you can see more of their work at tinylionroars.github.io. The original music you heard was all created by Vivian Aladrin, who you can find on Bandcamp at vivianaladrin.bandcamp.com.